You have your Bible, we'll go over to James chapter 2. And that's where our study will come from. We're going to continue in the book of James. So this is our third uh, lesson from James chapter 2. Um, and a passage that I think many of us are very familiar with. I, I remember growing up hearing this a lot. It felt like uh, it was preached every second, every two months. I don't know. Um, and it might have just been my preacher. You know, some preachers, you can hear it. They got kind of a hobby or something that comes out. And so you'll hear with me talking about the death, burial, resurrection all the time. So uh, and there's probably other things that I say that I'm not even aware of. Uh, sometimes Rachel will point it out to me and say, you know, you say this a lot or you do this a lot. And I also find out where all my little ticks are, too. It's like you need to quit playing with your wedding ring and quit rubbing your beard and things like that during the middle of while you're preaching things. So, um Little things we, we do. Uh, but this morning we look at to James chapter 2. And I feel like I've heard a hundred sermons on this. And here's another one. And I hope that it's very helpful to you. And I'm just, just taking this week to study through this passage and to go through it and to read it in detail. You know, the Bible never gets old. It doesn't matter how many times I read through the same scripture. There are parts of the Bible. I think that I would be underestimating to say that I've read it a hundred times. Or that I have, I've, you know, have just put another uh, commentary on the list that I've read through it or some other thought or hearing another sermon on it. And this is one of them. So, again, uh, even though many of us might be very familiar with James 2, I hope that it will enlighten our hearts and encourage us again. So as we go to James and we look at this uh, amazing passage here, uh, some have often wrestled with it and been like, okay, I read these things uh, from the Apostle Paul, but here I read from James that uh, faith without works is dead and that I am justified by my faith and my works. And so many have thought this is a very curious thing. In fact, if you remember the uh, reformer Martin Luther, he thought that the book of James didn't belong in the Bible, that it should be removed or he didn't see the, the place of it. And I, I don't understand that, how you would miss that. Because I, no, I have no problem reconciling the book of Romans and Galatians with James. But if you do, hopefully we can resolve some of that this morning and help with our further understanding. The main part of James in James chapter 2 is to encourage us to have a faith that is alive, that is living, not a dead faith. And the imagery that that James uses here, that the Holy Spirit uses through James, is very striking because it really causes you to pause and to think, am I living by faith? So let's, let's take a look here in James chapter 2. We open our Bibles and go to James 2 and look at verses 14 through 17. And James says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? Notice what's implied there. Can that faith save him? What's implied here is you are saved by faith. And as we're going to see here, you're not saved by a faith that has no works. It's dead. And then he gives a, a great example right here. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, now just to pause for a second, last week, remember when we did James 2, verses 1 through 13, he says, if one comes into your assembly and they come in with filthy clothing and one comes in with fine clothing, and you give preference 
The, the word there, when it says showing partiality, means to judge by appearance. You judge the one in fine clothing, and you give him the ideal seat right next to you, but then you tell the one in filthy clothing, the one with the stained clothing or poor clothing, to sit at your feet or to stand. He says, you act contrary to the royal law. You're not loving your neighbor as yourself when you do that. And that's in the context of Christians in the assembly doing this. And a lot of James is just hitting right home, addressed to Christians, to those who are believers. You say you're a believer, then demonstrate it. And here he says, all right, you have faith, but you don't have works. You have a problem here. If you have that brother or sister who's poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to him, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving giving them the things needed for their body, what good is that? That's a great question. What good is it? And and I'd love to see the generosity of my brethren. And I love to see when um, y'all give from your faith and when when I hear about others in the congregation helping uh, others who are in need, that's encouraging. That's what we, we want to see. That shows that your faith is alive. And so... James says, so also faith by itself. Let me, this is another way to put this, faith alone or faith only. He's going to say it later on. He's going to say faith only or faith alone can be translated um, literally from the Greek that way. But here he says faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Your faith is dead when it's not producing good. And that right there addresses every one of us. Is my faith, my faith in Christ, which he began in James chapter 2, talking about our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That if you have the right faith, then it's going to produce someone who is giving, who's doing great, who's not, going back to the earlier part of James 2, not judging with partiality. So it comes out right here. Faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And that's a striking thing, because when I hear that from James, I think about my own self, and I think, is my, where's my faith? You know, am, I, am I always judging people? Am I always reasoning why, oh, I can't help that person? Uh, the things they've done are self-inflicted. Um, they're the ones who put themselves in that position and making such judgments against others. And when I, when I allow that kind of thinking to keep me from doing the things that God wants me to do by following the example of Christ and producing good works, then my faith is dead. And it's not a saving faith. And you're not right in the Lord when you live like that. A saving faith is a living faith, and it produces good works. And this morning we look at our lives and we say, all right, I believe. I believe in God. I believe there's one God. I believe in Jesus Christ. I confess that He is the Son of God. And there's a lot of people out there that do that, don't they? They will make those confessions. But what comes from that? Is there good coming from it? Is there love coming out of it? Are they obeying the royal law, the royal law to, to, to love their neighbor as their self? Are they doing that? That our faith should be producing there's wonderful things, there's wonderful, and there's good works from us. There's nothing that, um, nothing that can help us in that situation, but think about this. Uh, there's something, the only thing that can help us there is for us to go back to God in faith. And I'm going to get to that in a minute, what Christ has done to help us with a dead faith. But there's something deathly wrong with a faith in God and Christ that does not result in good works and does not result in love toward others. Who are you believing in? Who are you trusting in? 
Oh, I believe Jesus came and that he died for me. Okay. That he resurrected from the dead. And what good was accomplished there? I believe in the holy life that he lived and the great works that he did, the compassion he showed upon others, the many people that were healed, the great love that Christ has demonstrated to others. Yeah, I believe that he did all those things, but if it doesn't reflect in my life, what good is that faith? We keep going in James and we read this, James 2, verses 18 to 20. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. And it should be demonstrated by your example, by the way that you live, that you are a light in this world, as Christ has told us to be. That our faith produces those great things in us. And listen to what he says here, I think it's very striking. He says, you believe that there is one God. All right. And now when you open up the book of James, he says to the 12 tribes of believers, and he's talking to all believers, and the book of James is a very Jewish book. And so at this time, very early in the Christian faith, most believers are, are, have the Jewish background. Their ethnicity is Jewish. Here they are as Christians. He says, you believe there's one God. All right? And automatically, this sounds like the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Deuteronomy 6 and verse 4. He says, you make that confession, and you say that. You believe there's one God. He says, you do well. Even the demons believe. Even the demons, the demons believe that. They believe in one God. And they tremble. And that seems to be even contrasted. You know, there are a lot of people today say, I believe in God, but they don't fear Him. They don't tremble before Him to live contrary uh, to His will, to His commandments, or to reject His only Son. He says, but do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Notice he says it again. He's emphatic about it. We'll count the many times that James says there, faith without works is dead. But that example of the demon stands out, and we'll come back to that as well. Over in Ephesians chapter 2, a lot of people struggle with this. Okay, we need a saving faith that produces works in us. And some have thought, well, doesn't Paul contradict that in passages like this one? Well, let's read it. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, it says, For by grace, yeah, it's by God's grace, by His gift that I'm saved. He says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. All right, there's nothing, James didn't say anything different there. Same thing. He says that it's not of yourselves. That's the point there. It's not of yourselves, it's by God's grace, it's through you believing in Him and what He's given to you. And then he says it is a gift of God and not of works. It's not out of works is another way to translate it. Your salvation doesn't come out of the works, but your faith should be producing works is what James is emphasizing. And we know that today. We know people today who say, I have faith and they'll make these claims, but what comes out of their faith? They say they believe in God and they believe in Jesus, but you know that those things, the good works are not coming out of their faith. That they're not living by what they say they believe in. And he says again, it's not out of works. It's a gift of God, lest anyone should boast. And here's the point of it. Why were we saved by grace through faith? It's for this, for we are His workmanship. God made us. He creates us in this way. Through faith in Christ, He has made us into this uh, person. We've been created, he says, created in Christ Jesus. For what? For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So the message right here, we see it's the same as James. All right, by faith, you've been saved. Through, I mean, by grace, you've been saved through faith. All right, for what reason? To produce good works in you. That's a real, living, saved faith. And that's what we see here from Paul, and that's what we see that James is emphasizing and is emphatic about. So is your faith from any different from the demons? That's another question that stands out right here. Is your faith different from the demons? 
You know, the demons, again, they believe in God and they will confess Jesus Christ. I'll show you a scripture with that in a minute. I had a whole other sermon that we've talked about and I've shared with you before about what the demons did. That a lot of people, when they look at themselves and their faith in God, they can find themselves lining up with these unclean and evil spirits, these fallen angels. Their life more aligns with them, with the demons, than they than aligns with those who are actually following the example of Christ and living by faith. So is your faith any different from the demons who believe in God and Christ? And so even to fear. Yet, what separates the demons from us with their faith? They're not producing works. They're not producing good works. They're not doing any good. And yet in Christ, every Christian should be doing good. And so James makes a wonderful point there. Here's a passage here in Luke chapter 4 where we see the demons confessing Jesus Christ as the Son of God. They recognize who He is. You have a lot of people today who will say, well, if you just believe that God is one, you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and that's it. Well, the demons have that faith, but they don't. It doesn't produce good works in them. It's not connected uh, to being obedient to God and to living a holy life and to following Jesus' example. And so here's what we see here in Luke chapter 4. When the sun was setting and all those who were sick with various diseases were brought to Him, that's to Christ, He laid His hands on every one of them and healed them, every one of them. And the demons also came out of many. And what did they say? They're crying out saying, You are the Christ, the Son of God. It reminds me of what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, What do you say to me, Lord, Lord? You know, and, and those who, but you don't do the will of God. He says, Well, you've... You'll claim to do all these great things, but then you practice lawlessness. You're not doing what's right. Your faith isn't producing good works in you. And so we see here the demons confessing, you are the Christ, the Son of God. And then Jesus rebukes them. Why? Because they're not the ones that should be proclaiming it. And so he's rebuking them. He did not allow them to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. So what do you believe? What do we believe about Christ What is it that that makes our faith alive? What is it that's going to produce good works so that we're not like the demons? So we're not like the wicked? So we're not like those who have a dead faith? So that we we have a drive within us. I want to keep God's commandments. I love this passage over in 1 John. It very much resembles what we've read here in in, in James chapter 2 about helping those who are in need. And listen to what John says here in 1 John 3, 16-18. He says, By this we know love, because He laid down His life for us. All right, that's the foundation, a part of the, the essential part of the Christian faith. Not only do I believe in Christ, but I know that love, and that love has a place in my heart. My faith is alive because my love for God and my love for Christ and the love that resembles and follows and models after Jesus because He laid down His life for us. And so the example here is, why don't you lay down your life for your brethren and giving to them and caring for them and taking care of those who are in need? Lay down your life for them. And he, John says here, and we ought also to lay down our lives for the brethren. And here he's not saying, of course, that every one of us would be in a situation where we'd be crucified on behalf of others, but that we would take up our cross daily, that we would find those who are in need, and that we would take time out of our life. And many of us, we, I don't have time. Or I don't have the, I don't have the money in the budget. And I would encourage you this morning that you make time, that you be ready to when there is a time that you need to pull over on the side of the road, or to go care for somebody that you can drop what you're doing and go help them. 
And that you put a part of your budget aside. I put it away in savings. That savings is not just for you. It's for those who are in need. And that you keep that there to help others. Be ready. Let that be an expression of your faith that you lay down your life for the brethren, that you're following the example of Christ. And what else do we read here in 1 John 3? But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? Now we have other passages like in 2 Corinthians where Paul says, listen, we're not telling those who are impoverished uh, to put themselves even more in debt to help out others. But he says, he says, even though he says that, the, the church there in Corinth gave out of their poverty to help those who are in need in a disaster relief and those who are in Judea. So you can read more about that over in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. But here you have the example here. He says, you got the world's goods. You see your brother in need. Take care of them. Don't shut your heart up against him. And that we see where, where faith meets works is because we believe in Christ and we love. There's love produced in us. For our Creator, for Christ, and for others. So what good deeds have come from your faith? I encourage you this morning to reflect. Look at your life. Consider the words of James. Let's go back to James 2 and and finish reading what he has to say here. So he used the example of Abraham. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Now originally it says that he he is accounted righteous for believing in God. And yet, what did that faith in, those, in the promises of God produce in Abraham? It produced in Abraham that he was willing to keep God's commandments. And when God said, offer your son to me, he was willing to offer Isaac. And so, of course, he was held back from that. But here we see again that Abraham is justified by his works. What kind of works? Works that come out of his faith. He says, do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. Notice that. Your faith is made perfect by your works. It's made complete. It's made whole. We talked about that word perfect before. In in Greek, it means to be whole. I want a whole faith. I, I want... I want a whole faith. I want a perfect place of faith. I want a complete faith. And your faith is not complete until it is producing good works in you. And he says, and the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham was fulfilling this, that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. He was accounted when he believed, but yet Abraham was also faithful. He was all, he was, he was, notice the word faithful there, meaning he was obedient. He did good. And thus he was called the friend of God. And we keep reading here in James 2 toward the end of the chapter, verses 24 to 26. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. There are a lot of people today, a lot of men that stand up in pulpit and will say, you're, you're saved by faith only. You're justified by faith only. I don't think they're meaning to contradict this, but it certainly sounds like it. So when you see here again, it says that a man is justified by works. What's he saying? The man who has faith and a faith that produces good works. And so that he's not justified by faith only, not faith by itself.
And then James points out, it says, Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? You know, Rahab heard the spies. She heard what God's works that he did for Israel down in Egypt and heard about their, their coming up from the wilderness and coming into the, the, the land of Canaan. And she believed. And so there in Jericho, she hid the spies because she believed and it produced the works in her. She acted by her faith. That's the way it should be. I should be acting by my faith. I should be living out my faith in every part of my life. When I have trials in front of me, when I have temptations, that I say I believe in God and I trust in Him and whatever happens, I'm going to go His way. I'm not going to cut corners. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to break up uh, my relationship. I'm not going to break a marriage or anything. I'm not going to take my own way out of the problems and trials that are in front of me. I'm going to trust in God. I'm going to live by faith. And my works are going to go along with that. Look at verse 26. He says, For as the body without the spirit is dead. Now that's what death is when the spirit is separated from the body. He says, So faith without works is dead. Is your faith alive? I ask you that this morning. Is it living? Is it producing great works in you? Uh, I know a lot of people have struggled with this. And they look at this and say, didn't Paul say that we're saved by faith apart from works? Let's take a look at that real quick. Romans 3.28. You can go to Romans 4.4 4 and Romans 11.5 and this is what it says. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Yeah, he's not justified by the law. He is justified by faith that produces good works. There's no contradiction there. Or Galatians 2.16. Yet we know that a person is justified by works of the <clears throat> is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. And so we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. And again. I'm made right by God because of His grace, by His gift, because I believe in Him. And when I believe in Him and I trust in Him, if that faith is sincere and full of the love of Christ, it's going to produce great works, good works. What we read this morning in James chapter 2 is we've seen James stated three times that faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead can't make the, more, the point any more emphatic. We can examine ourselves and examine our hearts and look at our lives this morning and ask, is my faith alive? I encourage you, connect your faith with good works and then you'll be justified and right with God. And as our scripture reading this morning was James chapter 1, I want to go back to that as a reminder and a part of our invitation. James 1, 22 to 25, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. Same message there, right? That you believe, you're not just hearing it, that you're doing it. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And evidently, James wouldn't be preaching and teaching about this if it wasn't happening. If there weren't believers out there that said, I believe, that's all I need to do. He says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing himself, his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself and he goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, who looks into the gospel and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. We encourage you this morning, if you haven't become a Christian, 
by your faith and your love for Christ, what it will produce in you should be a faith and a faith that causes you to repent of your sins, causes you to confess your faith, to, causes you to be obedient, to be submissive, to, to be immersed in baptism, to rise up, to walk in newness of life. That's what a living faith does. Let's put away the dead. Let's have a living faith that God gives us. Whatever your needs are this morning, we encourage you to find someone to pray with you, to encourage you. Uh, You need to obey the gospel. We're here. Let's stand and sing together.